Well, you guys actually know who I am? Probably not, no. Uh, <laughs> my name is Ken. I'm the junior high director here. I'm so excited to be here with you um, for the mine. It's a verse-by-verse study, and we're here tonight. And it's it's incredible that um, I have this opportunity to speak to you guys, because you guys are the ones who want to take faith seriously, right? Who want to get deeper in the Word, who want to learn a little bit more outside of Sunday. So, so excited uh, to be here, and I'm hopefully you guys are excited to be here as we dive deeper into the Word as well. Um, just a little bit of background of who I am, uh, the junior high director. I'm also a father of two daughters. I have a two-year-old and a three-year-old. Uh, they're both crazy. They, if you, I mean, if you see them in the lobby at times, they're the ones that are crying all the time. So, uh, two and three-year-old, terrible twos and threes. Um, I, we're also a foster family as well. Uh, I have a, it's a, he's, he's four months old right now. So a lot of fun. Uh, I am, a lot older than you think, not a lot older. Uh, there's a lot of stress in my life, so I'm getting to be a lot older. Uh, a lot of people actually ask, hey, Ken, what's the secret of being young? You know, I actually have women actually come up to me and ask, hey, your complexion's so good. You know, what's the secret? Let me give you this great secret. It's, it's easy. It's super easy. It's uh, be Chinese is what it is. So you guys work on that and, and we're all set to go. No. Um, I, uh, I got my master's in theology over at Fuller Seminary and I've uh, been here on staff for two years now. So super excited uh, to, to be here. We are in Romans. Romans. We love Romans, right? You guys spend a lot of time and you're still here. So which is exciting. So if you want to open up your Bibles to Romans 13, we're going to start in verse Eight. Now I'm trying to catch up with Pastor Lynn and, and the mine, and um, I didn't have a chance to watch this past week and uh, and what he was talking about and everything. Can someone give me a quick recap? It's going to test you. It's retention. A quick recap of this past week. Maybe something that surprised you. Maybe something that uh, that was just something that just really really grabbed your heart. Just something. Anything. Oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> respect your authority. We get mic runners if you guys want to raise your hand, but somebody said respect uh, your authority or authority. Go ahead. God gives us the leaders we deserve. God uses the leaders we deserve. That's right. That's good. What else? Okay, I got another one. Actually, I don't think we got past verse 4 in uh, the previous chapter. So uh, oh. we, we basically just talked about authority. Oh, okay. Basically talked about authority. All right. You guys want to test me tonight. That's uh, <laughs> good. One thing that struck me was when he said, just because a good thing happened doesn't mean it was the right way to go about it. Just because, one more time, I didn't hear that all the way. Just because a good thing happened doesn't mean it was the right way to go about it. Mm, mm, yeah. Sometimes I, I love that traffic cone. Remember that on Sunday? God's way, our way. Just because good outcomes, that's good. I love that. Go ahead. Not only does he give us the leaders that we need, he gives us the leaders that we want yeah. or that we, de- uh, that we desire. Yeah, that's interesting, especially in this political season, right? Um, a lot of crazy candidates, not crazy candidates, a lot of different candidates, um, a lot of uh, different personalities and everything. Go ahead. Um, he talked about um, what to do when your leadership is asking you to do something that's against what God would have us do and um, use the stories of Daniel um, to talk about 
either appealing and coming up with a different solution or um, not taking God's law over what you're being asked to do and accepting the punishment that would yeah. come along with that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Pastor Lynn is an incredible teacher who's able to take past stories right as well, so, which is good. Cool. How about one more? We're all done. Great. <laughs> no more? No more. All right. Uh, today we're going to start again in, uh, in verse 8. And uh, Actually, did Pastor Lynn talk about debt at all? Because we're going to start off with that. Anything about debt? All right. Um, let me read through 13.8 um, and how I'm going to do, rather than uh, starting and stopping, I'm going to go 13.8 to 13.10, and we'll dissect that again. You guys are free to ask any questions. I'll ask questions as well, and then we'll dissect that going forward. So uh, 13.8, Romans 13.8, it says this, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continu- continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Let's dissect that a little bit. And I know that is a place to stop because there's a next title section in there. Um, I don't know if you actually knew this in scripture, uh, but in, in, in the original manuscripts, there are actually no verses or even chapters. Um, there's, there's no red text. Some of your Bibles has red text every time Jesus speaks. It's, it's not there. Um, and that's why I was asking, hey, what was Lynn teaching on this past week? Hey, did he talk about this? Did he talk about that? Because sometimes, naturally, um, when we get to a section that has a heading like this, we either start or stop, right? Um, but it's important to see the context of where these verses come from. Um, because for us, I hope you guys know this. Um, you guys are actually theologians as well. You interpret scripture as you read. And so whether it, it really depends if you're well-versed at it or, or if you're not. So just as a good heads up, it's always good to read in context uh, when you're reading scripture. Okay, so sometimes when I'm reading through this, um, there's a good natural pause. But also it's always good to go a little bit, a few verses before, a few verses after as well. Does that sound good? All right. So, debt. We are in a society uh, that is in a lot of debt, right? Especially for my generation, millennials with college and everything. There's a lot of debt. Um, there are different ways how we view debt. So, let no debt remain outstanding. What are your thoughts on that? About debt. Is debt good? Is debt bad? What is debt? That is stress. Just that's just the definition. Just stress. What other comments do we have with debt? If you guys just want to raise your hand, and you got one over there. Well, you can't really get through life without any debt whatsoever. Sometimes you have to buy a house or a car, but. Um, I think it's best to avoid like uh, high interest stuff like credit card debt, and it's uh, better to use it only on the things you need and not the things you want. Yeah, 
Yeah, not a lot of people have $200,000 in cash, right? It's, it's kind of hard to do that, right, to buy in cash. So he's talking about good debt, bad debt. That's good. What else? Yep, go ahead over here, and then we'll go over here. The word, the word outstanding means to be left out there, not attended to. Mm. So you can have debt, but don't have any debt outstanding, just left out there that you're not making any arrangements on. Yeah, that's good. I, I love that, dissecting this. You know, Paul is an incredible uh, speaker. He's an incredible writer. And so there are phrases that he used, like outstanding, that he purposefully put in there for a reason. So that's good. Uh, over here. I think there was one over here. Go ahead. It's an anchor on your life. Yeah. It's an anchor. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's an anchor. Who else? Okay, go ahead. We'll go to you. Yep. Turn on. Okay. I think because he's talking about love, there might be spiritual debt too. So leaving somebody unforgiven or offering forgiveness or in that realm. So a spiritual debt. Yeah. Don't leave that outstanding. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get to that as well. Okay, one more. Uh, I think for me, the worst part of debt is being beholden to other people. Um, if you borrow money from a family member, they might try and get you to do something because they lent you money or something like that. So yeah. you might be willing to compromise your principles or, or something in order to please them because they've lent you money and you don't want to uh, yeah. feel like you owe them. Yeah, debt causes us to do things we don't want to do. Right. Um, in, in Proverbs 22, seven, it says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. That's what debt does to us. It, it causes stress. Somebody mentioned just stress right away and everybody laughed because we have all been in there before. Right. When bills pile up, um, I used to work for a bank. And so you see a lot of people in different financial situations that come in and how money creates, well, stress or the lack of. And so we go into debt. Um, somebody mentioned how it's, it's outstanding debt. Scripture doesn't mention anything about how debt is bad. Yes, we are a slave, but that's, that's a, a matter of fact, right? It's, that's what debt does, right? There are times, I know Dave Ramsey's a big one. He's on KTAR as well, right? He always mentions, well, when you're in lots of debt, you have to change your behaviors. Eat rice and beans, right? You can say, you say no to vacations. You say no to these things. That's what debt causes us. Um, in Psalm 37, 21, it says, the wicked borrow and do not repay. The wicked borrow and do not repay. And that's kind of a clue there of saying, hey, there's good debt and there's bad debt. I don't know if there's such thing. Well, there's good debt and bad debt. Bad debt is definitely when it's, we cannot repay it, right? There's, you, you get, you can only afford a $10,000 used car, but the bank decided to give you $75,000 and you wanted to drive that Mercedes, right? That is not a good choice. It's, it's the wicked borrow and do not repay. That's, that's important as we transition into this next statement here. It says, the wicked borrow and do not repay. Okay, so it says this, let no debt remain outstanding except, Paul's going to say there's, there's debt that we're entitled to, that, that we have, except the continuing debt to love one another. Question, go ahead. Uh, we've kind of concentrated on the people who are borrowing, but if you remember in the in the Jewish community, they were talking about the brotherhood, and you you shouldn't be the loner uh, shouldn't be taking advantage of mm. the uh, person that's borrowing money because 
uh, it was all a big family, and you were supposed to try to help out each other. That's, of course, where the love thing comes here. Yeah. And he's really talking to Christians here yeah. about uh, you're in a family. You're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, whether you're the lender or the borrower, yeah, there ought to be that that love situation. Of course, we live in a very different world yeah. uh, where we have tons of non-believers, uh, and that's usually who we're borrowing from. But if we're getting money from uh, a Christian, or you know, it, the love part of it ought to be primary. Mm, yeah, yeah. It definitely gets messy. It, it, again, what he was saying that this is a Jewish culture, right? Um, even though he's talking to the Romans, they're also, well, Jewish Christians in a sense, in a sense, right? People who were Jewish before, but now Christians. Um, and so what he was saying is, hey, when you loan out to fellow brothers or fellow sisters, there's sometimes there's, there's a lot of complications to that, right? Just like in our world today, there are a lot of complications to that. So what do you think it means here? It says, except, so we should be in debt. It says, except, the continuing debt to love one another. So what does that mean, continuing debt, the continued debt to love one another? If you guys want to dissect that for me before before I dive into it, because I love this part. So we're, we're basically in debt because of the love that Christ has given us. Yeah. So we, we are constantly in debt. Yeah. And we repay that by loving others. That's good. Anybody else who wants to add on to this? Debt is an obligation, and he's telling you we are obliged to love one another. Yeah. Yeah, and this is why I really wanted to define debt a little bit. Debt changes our attitude. Debt changes how we behave. Debt changes our, our thoughts. It, it changes what we normally do, right? And, and, and it changes what we normally do to something we, well, we don't really want to do. We don't want to give up um, the, the car. We don't want to give up the vacation. We don't want to give up even family time, right? All that costs money. And so what debt does is it creates behaviors in us that isn't, Normal. And so here's Paul saying it's not just debt, it's continual debt. We have this obligation, just like how when we're signing the papers for our house, for our car, whatever it is, for our credit card, you sign it saying, I am obligated to this. And if you, if you don't pay up, something's gonna happen. Here he's saying this, we have an obligation to love. And it's continuing debt. Do you notice how it says continuing? Just like how if we had continuing debt, financial debt in our lives, it stresses us out. It piles on top. And here Paul is saying continual debt to love. Why? Why is it not just a debt? Why is it continual debt? Go ahead. Jesus said... By this, you, uh, the world will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And as we continue to obey his word, um, it also says, love your enemies. 
and do good to those who spitefully use you. Mm-hmm. And as you do that, we're a witness to the world that we are his followers. Yeah. Remember, Christian is in, in this era, in this time, they would call Christians Christians. It means Christ-like, that they walked and spoke just like Jesus. And so the only thing that they could call him was Christian, Christ-like. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, and then we'll go with you next. I think you just said what I was thinking. You know, God is love. It says in, you know, First John 4, 16, okay. that if we are to be Christians and we're shaping the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, we have to represent love. Yeah, that's good. We have to, we have to, have to have love. Go ahead. Uh, just to dissect the continual debt, mm-hmm. it basically means that it cannot be repaid. Yeah. You guys know why it can't be repaid? You know, one thing that um, us as pastors or even churches, we kind of refrain from talking about a lot is this concept of hell. Because we love it. We come to Sundays. We feel good, right? But, but I think we miss out on this idea that we as, as Christians deserve hell, uh, and, and I don't know if in our American culture we understand that yet, right? I, I think a lot of the times how we view Christianity is, is how my daughters view the world, right? Everything is, is theirs and, and it's, they're, they're just selfish all the time, right? And, and they deserve the goldfish, right? They deserve it. I, I'm your daughter. I deserve the goldfish, right? And it's the same way with us as, as Christians. It's like, I, I deserve a great Sunday, I deserve Jesus answering my prayers. I deserve these things. But we forget that we don't. You know, it's kind of like in my life, um, uh, just a quick story. I'm a first generation uh, American, first native born. Uh, And so my parents uh, always, have always lectured me, always, about how spoiled I am. I mean, you, you think about that. Here they are, uh, 10 year, I mean, they're 19 years old coming here on a ship or, uh, I mean, just almost dying with no, n- nothing but the clothes on their backs, no money, didn't know any English. And here I am complaining, right, that, oh, I need a new whatever it is. Oh, I need this and that. I mean, there's, there's the theme of my life. Right, and and so that's why it always hits me of of when when I have a chance to remind people, wait, we deserve hell. And, and let me tell you why. Um, in 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 Romans earlier, you guys heard that before. In was it Romans three twenty three? Does anybody remember that verse? Romans three twenty three. It kind of talks a little bit about excuse me six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. the The wages of sin, sin. We all sin. My little daughter sin a lot. Right? They're they're selfish. You don't teach them how to be selfish. They hit each other. They yell at each other. They learn the words no and mine so quickly. Sin. And what this verse is saying is, for the wages of sin is death, because that we are sinful people, we deserve death. 
right? And, and it continues, uh, Romans 3.10, it says, There is no one righteous, not even one. So not even myself, not even Pastor Lynn, not even, there's nobody here righteous enough to go to heaven on our own. Because we sin, there is a punishment. There is hell. And so I, I think we, we as, as Christians, we, we, maybe it's too much Sunday school. When we picture Jesus on the cross looking down, it's, it's an act of love. Yes, but it's even deeper than that. It isn't because we deserve Jesus to die on the cross. We don't deserve Jesus on the cross. We don't deserve it. And so I, I love this image that while Jesus is on the cross and all the audience is looking at him, they're mocking him, they're spitting on him, and they're cursing him. That's us. And so it's not just he gave us this gift. It's he, he went even beyond that. He put aside our sinfulness. To where he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, excuse their sins. I know it looks bad right now, but, but I'm trying to overlook it. That's what grace comes from. Have you guys heard a term cheap grace before? Cheap grace. It's a, it's a term that was coined by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Anybody heard of him before? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, a, an incredible theologian. Uh, it's from this book, cost, uh, The Cost of Discipleship. And it's in, in the beginning. Uh, he talks about cheap grace. How we see grace as, as so cheap. It's, it's just uh, typical. We just, it's just, all right, Jesus died on the cross, whatever. It's just cheap. And he said, no, 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 no. There was, there was a huge payment for that. He, he's actually an incredible person. Um, something to spark your, your mind a little bit. Do you guys remember that movie uh, with Tom Cruise, Valkyrie? Do you guys remember that movie? Uh, talked about the assassination attempt of, of uh, Hitler. Interesting how this goes with this past week. Um, he actually was part of that. So kind of like a cool theologian, actually. Um, so interesting life, well-respected in, uh, in the theology field. I mean, incredibly respected. But it talks about the same thing, cheap grace. And as we hop back in here, that's why it's a continuing debt to love one another. It's continual. We can't repay that. We deserve hell. And here's Jesus coming down, giving us love. While we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. It's a continual debt. It's a debt we can't repay. It's not 12 easy payments of 1999. We can't repay it. So we have this obligation, though, to love, just like Christ loved us. So, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Does anybody know what the law is? What is the law? What is the law? Constitution law? Anybody know? Anybody want to take a stab at it? I won't judge you. Here we go. What is the law? Is it, they're talking about the Old Testament commandments. 
Yeah. It was like 630 or something like that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's this thing called the Pentateuch, right? Uh, it's pretty much the first five books of the Old Testament. It's, it's kind of like the, remember, G, here's, here's something that's going to blow your mind. When Jesus was alive, the Bible, the Old New Testament wasn't created yet. Doesn't that blow your mind? Like, wait, 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 what? So they were going a lot by the Old Testament. So when they talk about the law, I mean, in a sense, they're, they're not rewriting it. They're fulfilling the law. It just blows my mind at times. So when it says it's, it's fulfilling the law, yeah, it's, it's the commandments. It's the Pentateuch. It's, it's Leviticus. It's, it's all these different things that, that the law, whether if it's cultural law or religious law that they had, it, he's saying when you love others, you fulfill the law. So it continues on here. Verse 9, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other commands there are, there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Have you guys heard that before? I mean, this is, this is throughout, I mean, just the New Testament. Uh, this is actually found in Leviticus as well. Love your neighbors as yourself. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and I love, uh, there's this, this section in, in the, in the gospels where, where Jesus is saying, uh, a lawyer is kind of going up to, to Jesus and saying, Hey, listen, if you were just gonna, which one's, which one's the most important commandment? That's what he's saying. Like, I mean, what, which one's the most important commandment? If, if I were to do anything, which, or just one thing, what should I do? And he says, Hey, all the laws All the prophets hang on this statement. All the laws, all the prophets, everything in the past, everything you heard in scripture, hang on this. This is love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbors as yourself. And what's interesting is this. um, And and I love this illustration. If, If I had a clothesline, And on the top, it says, love your neighbors as yourself, or whatever that statement is, right? Love your Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and your mind. The other is like it, love your neighbors like yourself. And it says, all the laws, all the prophets, everything in the past, hang on this statement, everything. You, you, you want a quick note of, of the Bible, that, or a quick tip of the Bible? That's it. That's it. If you want to do anything, that's it. We're, we're just... We're just dumb, right? We just can't, we can't just live on that. We want more, right? But what he's saying is this, is saying everything, even when you're reading scripture, needs to be in that lens, needs to be watched or, or fulfilled through that lens. It's, it's a paradigm. So when it's saying, hey, um, how to treat others, or it, it talks about uh, death or whatever like that, it, what it's saying is this. Anything in scripture needs to be in the end, the end goal, the end goal as you're reading scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbors like yourself. That's the end goal. If you're reading scripture and it doesn't end up to be that goal, it's probably wrong. It's probably wrong. This is important. 
in here I'm trying to debate whether I should talk about this or not. (laughs) The Christian community is very judgmental. And, and it's, when, when we, if, even if you were to go on Facebook and there's this picture of a cross and it says, whatever, John 3.16. And then all of a sudden there's, there's people arguing theology. Do you guys ever see that? I mean, just something. Christ loves everyone, right? And it's, well, he doesn't love this person. Wait, what? Uh, on YouTube videos, a lot of Christian videos are always, the comments are disabled because there's always this big debate and it's not, it's usually among Christians because we forget love. One of my favorite, 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 favorite illustrations of our failure to love is actually um, abortions. I know that's a weird thing to say, but, but here, here are, are people who, who are so, who hate on, on people making that decision so much. But, but what if, what if people are making that decision because us as the church don't rise up enough to support that young woman to raise that child? And, and maybe, maybe they're so afraid of the judgment that they'll have from other people rather than the love that is shown that should be overwhelming for that person as a, maybe if it's a single woman, single mom having a child. And, and I, I, I in, in college, I had a friend. Uh, she, she looked very young at that time. And I remember she was telling me stories of how um, she had to take care, actually, of her, her sister... Her sister's daughter, who died, um, actually didn't die, was in a vegetable state from a car accident. And the judgment that this person got from just out on public, out in public. Even for myself, as a young family, we have three kids. We always hear comments of, oh, you're, you get, must have your hands full. Or, oh, Wow, is there a return policy on that? Here we are, continual debt to love. And there is power in that love. You, you think about it. There is power in that love to turn hearts. There is power in that love to change cultures. That's why when we say, man, what if we just stop judging? What if we saw Jesus... The, the love that Jesus has through us, as in a, a foster family, um, our four-month-old was supposed to go home this past court case. Uh, we go there, we see this as a ministry. We love to see broken families healed again. Um, our paradigm, our lens through all this is that when, when children are reunited with family, God wins. That, that's our heart. And so we do whatever it takes. We want to reassure the parents. We're not there to adopt these kids. That's the last thing we want to do. We are there to be your support. We are there to pray for you. We are there to, to do whatever it takes for your child to go back to you. You're just in a bad situation right now. And so in, in this all, it, through this all, at this time, what was happening was um, my, 
uh, we're, we're sitting back there and we're, it's not called CPS anymore, but our caseworker and, and everybody is saying, okay, most likely, most likely, dad, clean slate, dad is, is going to be great. Um, the, the son is able to go home with his dad. So we're sitting in court and uh, the judge uh, pulls over a, a drug test and, and dad is now addicted to cocaine. I mean, cocaine. I mean, that's, that's, you're deep in that. I mean, cocaine. Uh, later on, as we're talking, uh, we're, we're talking to the uh, GAL, who's really the, the kid, uh, Eddie's um, lawyer, in a sense. And we hear all these things of, um, well, mom is probably going to be in jail uh, because of child abuse. Uh, broken bones from previous children. Four, four kids were taken away previously. My heart was crushed. Because our, this is our ministry. And, and we want to reunite this family together. And, and the human side of me is like, oh, no, 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 no. I need to shield and protect this orphan, right? Isn't that your heart right now? Aren't you crushed by this? But here's the thing. Continual debt to love. That's the human side of us. When we shield that child, in a sense, when we get in a way, we don't get to see how far God's redemption is. But what if God can redeem them? What if God can heal? See, a lot of times we draw the line in the ground. We say, you know what? All right, it's fine. They, they, they look messed up, but not too messed up. And God says, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter how messed up we are. We all deserve hell. No one righteous, not even one. What if God can redeem that family? And, and that's where, and we're going to continue on to this, um, where we have to put on Christ. The human side, it doesn't make sense. But that's when Christ speaks to us and changes us. And so we're going to continue to pray. It's going to be tough, but we're going to continue to pray. All right, let's continue on. Any questions so far? Love is hard, especially when it hurts us. Love is hard. All right, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. Um, by the way, I, I do want to, con- I, I forgot to mention this. It says continual debt. Sorry, I'm going to hop back to verse eight and we'll move on. Continual debt to love one another. So that's just not fellow Christians, right? Because it says in the next, he- in next phrase here, for whoever loves others, others is really important. Because we're not supposed to, loving anybody who looks like us and speaks like us and worship in the same way like us, right? It's easy, Right? It's easy to go to church with people who don't raise their hands too high during worship, right? All right, okay. Who like the same food after, I mean, it's, it's great, but it says love others. People who don't look like us, who may not even believe in the same things we believe, who may be screwed up, who may be on, you know, in, addicted to cocaine, a child abuser. Love. That's Christ's love for us. And that's why it's a continual debt. We can't, it says fulfill the law. We can't fulfill the law. 
It's a continual debt. We're going to try to get closer and closer to Jesus. It's not going to happen. We're going to say, oh man, I got to humble myself again. I, I just can't. I need you again, Jesus. I need you to love. All right, let's continue on. All right, the day is near. That's what mine says in here. Um, so Paul is an incredible, incredible, incredible speaker. And so he's going to talk about here uh, the end times. Okay, in the beginning he talks about the end times. And here uh, he's going to talk about the end times again. He's going to sandwich this. Sandwich this. Verse 11. And do this. I'm going to read it all through and we'll dissect this. Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is near now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in um, carousing and in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So let's dissect this a little bit. What is he talking about here? What is he talking about? We kind of had a series on this a little bit. Somebody just, let me, that's a little tip for you. What is he talking about? The hour has already come. All right, go ahead. He's talking about the rapture. The rapture. Yeah. Jesus is coming again. The hour has already come. Um, and and what, he's, what he's kind of saying is this. is it's, it, What's interesting is this. Do not believe anybody who says on this time, on this date, Jesus is coming. Just don't believe it. That's not good theology. Even in Paul's writing here, even, even through, if, if you're reading in here, any generation of churches believe that Jesus is coming, even today, right? We talk about that. Jesus, we, we think that Jesus is primed and ready today. But if you look at a hundred years ago, they would believe the same thing. If you look at a hundred years before that, they would believe the same thing. If you look at a thousand years before that, they would believe the same thing. Two thousand years before that, at this time, they would believe the same thing. Thing. Again, Jesus comes like a thief in the night, right? There's no clue to that. There's no, hey, by the way, thief leaves a note on your door. I'm going to come on a Thursday. You don't know when. On a Thursday. Every Thursday, you're going to be waiting, right? No clue when a thief is going to come. Jesus is going to come, no clue. It's just going to happen. It could be in five minutes, five years, 5,000 years. You just don't know. He has something else to say, though. It says, and do this, right, in love, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is near 
now. Now he's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians and he's saying their salvation is near now. Are we saved already? Anybody want to comment on that? Our salvation is near now. It's a little weird. Salvation, all right. So, so maybe it means for us to always be ready. Yeah. That it's, it's now. Yeah. So don't think that we have a week to figure things out. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'll go ahead and live the worldly life and then, because, you know, he's coming on Thursday. Yeah. We have to always be ready. We have to always be ready. Exactly. Yeah, in here, what he's, what he's saying is, and that's the overall theme, we always have to be ready. But in here, it's saying, wake up, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. What he's saying is this, is like, hey, when Jesus comes, it's going to fulfill your salvation. Isn't, isn't it weird, uh, especially when we're, when we're baby Christians, right? And we say the prayer, or we make the decision at home. But problems still come. And we still struggle with sin. And, and we're thinking in our heads, wait, 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 hold on, God. I already believe in you. You're supposed to do some sort of magical thing in my life to where all this is removed, right? You're on my side. You're on my team. No. That's, that's the struggle right there. Does that make sense? Is Jesus has come... Jesus is, excuse me, Jesus is in our lives, but hasn't fulfilled it all yet. Does that make sense? Meaning, when Jesus comes, he's going to finally create the new heaven and new earth. When Jesus comes, finally, all, Satan has been defeated, but finally, we're going to be removed from all this, from all the pain, all the suffering, right? Yeah, I, I love, there's this, this song that talks about that. It's, it's a song about revelations. No more tears, no more suffering, no more pain. Salvation. So it's here, but not here yet. Salvation. So when he's saying here, wake up from your slumber, what, what she was saying over here, right? Wake up, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. There's a sense of urgency there's a sense of urgency that we must have. It says the night is nearly over. Night kind of symbolizes evil in this sense. Um, scripture has a lot of stories about night and day. Right? Night represents evil. So right here he's saying, listen, at this present time, as much as church is great, cornerstone is great, there is still evil in the world, and that's represented by our parking lot, right? That, that's represented by, by traffic as we're leaving. That's represented by, by the construction that's happening here. Just outside as they're repaving the road right there. There's still evil. As much as we celebrate Jesus... There is still evil. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. And, and so here's Paul giving this imagery, right? He's, he's a great poet in this sense. It says, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor 
of light. The armor of light. Um, scripture talks a lot about armor from before, right? You guys remember that? Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Now, what, what is a... Uh, what is dissension? Does anybody want to know what dissension is? That's not a term that I usually use. Anybody want to help be a Webster's Dictionary for us here? Dissension. What do you know what dissension is? Yes. Maybe like bickering or quarreling. Bickering, yep. Bickering, arguing is what somebody said. Go ahead. General antagonism or hostility. Yep. Yeah. Facebook, right? <laughs> You're wrong. And isn't it interesting how Paul, because for us, you know, when I'm reading this, it's like, mm, okay, well, I'm not drunk. No, I'm not sexual, immoral. Not, not, not doing that. Oh, man. Dissension. Arguing. And jealousy. We, I, I, I struggle with that. I think we all, I'm going to generalize, hope to struggle with that in a sense. But what he's saying, it's going to be a continual effort. See, what, what, what Jesus is, not Jesus, what Paul, what Jesus is saying through Paul in this instance is, our character is defined by what happens Behind closed doors. Who we are is defined by what happens in our households. Who we are is defined by how we treat our wives, our husbands, our children. When no one else is watching. You may be a perfect businessman or businesswoman. But at home, when it's this little secret, that's not the good thing. In our little car, road rage... It's continual debt. Continual debt. It's going to be hard. It's continual debt. So what he's saying is this. Take off, put on. Take off our old self, put on. Take off, put on. Um, it says, let us behave decently as in the daytime. I already read through that. It says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, and, and so in here, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what that means. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean like wear Christian t-shirts. Okay. That's not what that means. Um, theologians can't really pinpoint what that means, but one of the illustrations that I love, uh, that in one of the commentaries I was reading here was, was talking about how, uh, the symbolism of baptism, right? Um, because this kind of symbolizes us and how we live. So what the symbolism of baptism is, when we declare what we kind of celebrate here, and baptism is so awesome, is that you have a person in water, right? And, and that water, as, as we're dunking that person, we love to dunk here, right? None, none, none of this sprinkling stuff. We love to dunk. And it's imagery. 
what that image is, is that it's death to ourselves, to us, our hearts, our desires, a continual debt. Okay. It's an obligation. Okay. It's going to be hard. Death to ourselves and we're resurrected in scripture. Paul talks about a lot about resurrection. We're resurrected again in Christ. We're made new in Christ. We're made new. And it's a big celebration. I, 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 I dislike it. I hate it when, when we, when it's like, oh, we do baptism so much. Come on, let me just get some word. I want to hear Pastor Lynn. No, huge celebration, huge celebration. Someone dying, it symbolized someone dying to themselves and rising again in Jesus Christ. And when it's saying clothing, clothe yourselves in your Lord Jesus Christ, it's putting on Jesus Christ. That's you. It's no longer your own personal suit, your own outfit. Is Jesus that's controlling it all. All right. Any questions so far? Yep. Just wanted to make a comment about yeah. uh, clothing yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. What it means to me is just to surround yourself with godly things like yeah. the music you listen to, the people that you hang around. You know, just how you, how you carry yourself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I, I love that because what's one, one thing a lot of the times people say is, oh, all you have to do is love, be good. You could do that fishing on Sundays, right? You, you can do that at home watching, I don't know, Joel Osteen or something like that, right? But the important part that we miss a lot in, in terms of church is, is community. Church is important. This is how important church is. Jesus calls it Christ's bride. Through the church, it's the hope of the world. So yeah, sometimes it is a struggle where we had to come in 15 minutes early to be here. And, and hopefully when you come here, it's not just Sundays and Tuesday nights. The point is community. That's why we have small churches. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have women's events and men's events. That's why we have junior high groups, um, high school. We have, we have ministries for that. We want people to build community, to surround ourselves, yes, to clothe ourselves with like-minded people. Because we can't go through this journey alone. We can't. It's hard. We're, we're going to mess up time and time again. Okay, next question comment uh, building on what our, my brother said putting on Christ sometimes the only Bible that people will ever read is us yeah. and if we are not acting and loving like Christ is then we're not showing ourselves as Jesus yeah exactly that's why we're so hesitant to put our uh, cornerstone sticker on the back of our car, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, eventually people are going to, if you are like Christ, if you're loving, people are gonna, eventually going to ask, why are you like this? Why, why, why are you behaving like this? I don't deserve your love. Why? So, yeah, go ahead. 
Okay. So I always heard it to put on Christ. Like in the morning when you wake up and you put on your clothes, you're deciding how you're going to represent yourself that day mm. to everyone you come into contact with. So when you put on Christ, you're deciding to represent him to everyone you come into contact with and not yourself. Yeah, I love that. That's great. You guys are, are really diving deep of what that... I love that imagery. You see how Paul kind of just uses imagery to, to convince the, the Roman Christians at this time? I mean, it's just awesome stuff, and it gets you guys going, too. Go ahead. Yeah, two comments. One about the, the baptism. Uh, it's really... Uh, you went back to the water baptism, but it's really going back to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's yeah. when you become a Christian, and that's when your life changes... Uh, so that's the imagery I think Paul's leading back to is, is that change that takes place. And also I was wondering earlier uh, where you talked about salvation there. Couldn't he be talking about our actual death? Because everybody's going to die a lot sooner uh, yeah. than the rapture. I mean, a few people are going to be, you know, have be lucky and experience yeah. the rapture. But it, it could be... Uh, long way off as we know it has been but a death for everybody is not a long way off yeah and and in the same way it's it's quite a it's a surprise when death happens right uh typically uh with car accidents and everything in the same way like a surprise as as the rapture so yeah definitely and and i think that's more the reason for us to to hate i mean paul's encouraging everybody to shape up uh, when he's writing these letters to the churches at this time it's it's usually reminding them warning them hey Get your act together. It's, it's even a reminder for us as Christians. We need to get our act together. Uh, we absolutely need to. We, we need to rise up. Not, not in a military sense, nothing like that, but to change the world through, through love. Yeah. That's good. Man, he's running. Love it. Um, good. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> you I have had... to tip him afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a hard time with the word obligation or obligatory in my own personal time with God. And he took me through into understanding it in another way. And so I think that obligation from my perspective today is a commitment. Mm -hmm. It's a decision. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. It's not a have to like as in being forced. And in my time with God, I said, you know, why can't it be forced? You know, why can't we make people do this? And he responded to me and said, there is no love in force. Mm. And so I realized that he's trying to get a message across about being committed to the process through the Holy Spirit to be genuinely from your heart acting out, not as just a have to, but as a want to. Yeah, that's great. It's um, and and I, I believe that's why I think that's why we. It's important to start off our faith when we say, "Man, we deserve hell," right? When we talk about sin, uh, when we uh, turn around from that, because then we realize in our hearts, "Yeah, oh my goodness, Jesus, you loved me in that state." Oh my goodness, God, you, I, I'm going to respond to you. Not because I have to, right? Again, because I want to. I didn't deserve that grace. Again, it's not cheap grace. It's grace. It's Jesus grace. It's, um, it's overwhelming grace. It's grace that, that, that excuses, you know, that time when, when you're, 
in trouble at work or you get caught doing something and your boss just says, you know what, it, it, it's fine, don't worry about it. It's just, it, there's this overwhelming sigh of relief, right? And you're just so much more committed to that, that workplace or to your boss. And in the same way, it's that overwhelming sigh of relief, like, oh my goodness, Jesus, I love you so much. And because of that, there is this, I feel like, I, I don't, I don't have to. Yes, there's overwhelming debt. Yes, but it's, it's yes, I want to. I want to continue to serve you. Yeah. Any, what else? In the context of love your neighbor as you love yourself, what happens if you don't love yourself? Yeah. What happens if you don't love yourself? You I think, um, I know Pastor Lynn kind of mentioned this a little bit, I think two weeks ago, but I think there are different stages in our lives. Um, and there, there are certain stages in our lives, maybe, maybe a little bit, well, there are certain stages where we do struggle with our image or with uh, of worthiness. But, there is this basic human instinct to take care of ourselves, I think. And, and again, this is imagery, right? Uh, when he's talking about loving our neighbors as ourselves, um, just like how we cannot, we cannot drown ourselves. There's, there's no way to hold our breath to do that. I think our body is incapable of doing that. There's, our, our body is incapable of... Mm, our body is incapable of hurting ourselves to the point to where, where it, it's, well, no, it is. Let me think here. There are different stages. Our basic instinct is to protect our lives, though, right, when it comes to love. In the end, though, I believe that Jesus does want to see us at a state of where how he views us as precious. And I think when we don't love ourselves, that's a state of sin, though. It is, it is a state of sin. Um, and I do want to comment to anybody who is in a place to where you aren't loving yourselves. Just know that you are created in the image of God. You, you are. Um, and, and I know we can say that, oh, if you don't love yourselves and we just brush it off, but you are created in the image of God. And when God created you, he calls you very good. So maybe if you're looking at that and saying that, well, I don't love myself, so how am I supposed to love others? Maybe that's the biblical study when we need to say, well, let's see how God loves us first and how God views us first as, tre- as uh, cherished, treasured sons and daughters of the high and mighty king. That's good. All right. looks like we're um, closing on time. Does anybody have any other comments or questions? Go ahead. Sorry, I just had to uh, make a comment on self-love. I think yeah. we live in a society that's full of self-love, and we need to be really careful with how much we go that direction that we're talking about, Yeah, you know, loving ourselves. Yeah. Um, it's, it's scary. Uh, you, you ever notice in, in foreign countries, especially third world countries, there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, acts of, uh, you know, there's a lot of, demons, a lot of, uh, you, you see like YouTube videos of possessions and stuff. Um, and you don't see that in the States. It, it's weird. And, and there's an interesting thing, and I don't want to get too much. Well, Pastor Lynn kind of talked about it a, a few months ago, right? 
But if Satan is real, Jesus is real. If, if angels are real, demons are real. Um, and what's interesting is that God or Satan doesn't want to use tactics to scare us whether if it's uh, possessions, uh, possess- possessions or, or if it's demons or whatever like that. But I think Satan destroys the church or us as Americans through those tactics like that. Self-love through money. But why, why, does, he want to, uh, why does he want to just solidify God's presence more, the spiritual realm, uh, uh, allow us to see the spiritual realm, right? I'm talking about Satan. Right? Satan's point isn't to do whatever it takes to scare us. That's not his point. His point is to do whatever it takes to separate us from God. Including, this is going to hit some nerves, our children. When we love our children too much, soccer, sports, you know, that's me the, as the youth pastor speaking here, right? When we get them too involved and we remove them from church that helps them grow in their faith. Our children can be our idols and Satan works through that as well. So that's important. And that's why to keep our guard up. So great. Hey, I enjoyed my time with you. Let me pray. And, um, let me give you as a word of encouragement. Lord, heavenly father, as we are uh, closing up, we talked a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about love and, and we are overwhelmed by your love every single day. And I know there are people here who may not feel that God, So, Lord God, overwhelm them by the sense of your presence right now. Lord God, whether if it's stress from work or stress from from family, God, Lord God, let them know that you love them so much. And Lord God, let us respond to that love. Let us respond overwhelmingly to that love by loving others even when they don't deserve it because you loved us even when we don't deserve it. Lord God, the time is near. We don't know when you're going to come. We don't know when we're going to pass. But the time is near for us to change the world. So let us love others and let us overwhelm them. Lord God, allow the things that we learn here not be words that we keep to ourselves, Lord, but that we share. Share through discipling, share through, through helping others, share through loving on our community. Lord God, we pray this in your name. Everybody says, amen. Hey, thanks so much for your time.